Hey, you're listening to the Abide Podcast. To find out more about Abide, go to AbideChurchFL.com and enjoy today's message. Are you guys ready for the word? Listen, I was a blubbering mess for service. Oh, it was bad. I'm going to try to get through this. So, so as I was asking the Lord what he has for us, I kept hearing this phrase, the main thing. And if you've been coming to Abide for any period of time, you know that we have this phrase that we use here that is this. We want to keep the main thing, the main thing. It is important for us to be laser focused on what God has for us. And in a world that is full of distractions and the world is presenting us with this and with that. And some looks like blessings and some doesn't. I believe God is aligning us. He is refocusing us on this one thing and it is the person of Jesus. I believe that, that God, He is causing us to fall in love all over again where everything else disappears. And listen, we have fixed our eyes on this. Sometimes people have issues with, with the way we worship and the length of our worship. And I'll say it at first service, I'll say it again. In, worship, in heaven, there is more worship than there is preaching. I'm telling you. In our job as preachers and as ministers, we want to help you and we want to bless you. And we believe that God has for you, but more more than preparing you to deal with what's here, we believe we are to prepare you for what is there. You understand? All of this is going to end. That chair that you're sitting on is going bye-bye. <laughs> your bank account, your 401k, your job, everything that we think that is so, is so important now, it's all going to go by. And we will be standing in front of our bridegroom, Jesus Christ. The Lamb who was slain before the foundations of the earth, and He is waiting for us to connect with Him heart to heart now. This is not complicated. This gospel is simple. Your life may be upside down, and you may not know which way is up, but I am telling you there is a way. The Bible says, He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Oh, and He is calling us as a people to be connected to him. So like on New Year's Eve, I was sitting in a room with people. Steve was there, his family, the, Tina, Jack, we were all there. And I just, I looked around and I found myself in a room with 8,000 people. And it's, it's 11.45 at night. And Benny Hinn is like, he was whipped seven times. Seven times he bled. And he went through all seven. And I was just like, oh my gosh, his beard was plucked. And his back was bruised and he was going on. And I'm just thinking to myself, like, all that God has done. And how many of you know the world, the news, it wants to paint this picture like everything, you know. We're going to World War III and this, but I want to bring you the good news that Jesus is alive. And his people are burning with passion. And they're rising up. And, and they love, they love, not because of what he gives, but because of who he is. And they're burning with passion. And it goes beyond revival. Let's throw revival out the window and let's just stare at him. Because he is the giver of life. And when he comes, everything else falls into place. So I'm taking communion and I'm thinking, man, the more, the longer I live my life, I find the more I want everything that I do to be centered around him. Man, there were so many New Year's that I can't even remember for various reasons. Just, but this one, 
that I would come back to the centrality of there was a man who was beaten, bruised, and killed for me. And if I was the only one, if you were the only one that were to ever say yes to him, you would have still died. <laughs> for the possibility that you would love him. And so what I, what I feel today is him calling us back. And he's redefining. I said this first service. I, I feel like he's redefining what it looks like for a man to be a man. I, I feel it in my heart. For the longest time, we've had this image of what a man, man is strong, man is bold, man has money, man provides. Ah. And he, he, he's redefining where, where men, they're being broken down. And they feel, they weep. They show their children what it looks like to love Jesus unashamedly. Unashamedly. I love this man. And so I want to share with you a scripture today that is, is central to, to us as a, as a house. Is that okay? I want to take you to John 15. I want everybody to turn there. I want you to see this. I want you to see this. John 15. So important. Oh, so good. <laughs> oh my gosh. John 15. This is the reason that we are called abide. This is, this is the point of our church. I'm sorry. Oh, Jesus. Uh, we're not weird. You're the weird ones. <laughs> I love you guys. I just feel good. Let's read John 15. Steve, stop so I can get through this. I got to get through this. I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. Are you there? Ah, Jesus is so good. I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. Did you catch that? It said, I am the true grapevine, not your pastor is the gardener. I am the true grapevine, and my father, which is God, is the gardener. And he cuts off every branch of mine that does not produce fruit. Say Amen. He prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they can produce even more. So watch this. He's pruning off the things in your life that, that, that are not from him. And then even the things that did produce fruit that seemed good, like it was a blessed thing, your gifts, your talents, he's pruning them. And it's not punishment. It's so that you can produce even more fruit. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given to you. This message he's talking about is the message of salvation. Jesus crucified the lamb who was slain, saying, I am the way, the truth. Then he says this, remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I am them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And Jesus is giving to them in this moment a key. He's, he's giving a sermon and he's speaking to them and he is giving them a key to what I believe is one of the most powerful things that we can learn as a people. And it is this, apart from God, there is no life. You can have all the money in the world, all the accolades. You can have all the praises of men. He is amazing. But a part of being connected from him, there can be no fruit. And make no mistake about it, you want fruit. 
This is why in the beginning of the new year, everybody goes back to the gym. I will have muscles. I will lose weight. Love handles bye-bye. This is the reason. Because we all have this need inside of us to produce, to do great things. And whether we realize it or not, what God is do, saying to us is, if you are not connected to me, you cannot produce fruit. You can take your life and put it up and, oh, oh, you know what, man? This is crazy. I went outside for service and I pulled this and this was alive. This was at 9 o'clock. I went out, I broke it, and I pulled it. And at 9 o'clock, this was alive, and it's 12.15, and it is dead. What a prophetic picture. Because you think you, you, you pluck yourself from Jesus, and you attach yourself in the church. Oh, I'm at church. Here we go. Now there will be life. Destiny, sing. Geo, scream and sweat. Please, somebody. Oh. But, but there's nothing that you can do. You can read your Bible every single day from Revelation to Genesis and Genesis to Revelation, but apart from Jesus. No amount of striving. And so like we get frustrated because like I'm going to church and I'm singing the songs and I hate my life. I'm so mad at my husband. Everything sucks. Nobody's going to fix that. No, I mean, I, I love you so much. This is why I'm telling you. No one's going to fix that. Because you were built for communion. In the TPT translation, it says this. Do not depart from life union with me. And I will not depart from life union with you. And so the word abide in a lot of translations, it, we read it, it said to remain. Meaning I stay in a place, but another word for that word abide is not just to remain, it means you refuse to depart. It means in the midst of all of the things coming at me, Gio, why don't you do this and why don't you do that and maybe if you do this and maybe if you worship less, all of these things that come, I refuse to depart from this place where I seek his face. Because I know and I understand this is my life source, this is my substance. And from this place, I can find true life. And from this place, giants are, they're conquered. Oh, oh, demons, they fall. David did not slay the giant because of David's strength. The giant that day fell because he knew in whom his confidence was. The only way you can know in whom your confidence is is by knowing him. Not a shadow of a doubt that as I walk in faith, that giant will fall. And so the Bible, it calls David a man after God's own heart. And it wasn't because, it wasn't because he slayed giants or because he was handsome or because he was chosen. It was because there was something in his heart that said, I want only this one thing. He was a one thing. And I believe this is what God is doing in this church. I don't know what you're here for the expectations you have of me and I'm probably going to fall way short. But I'm here to tell you that God has called this pro these six and a half acres to be a dwelling place of the Holy Spirit full of people that worship Him. And there's always temptation. Oh, I, I just, I love the people that God has brought to this church. A couple of weeks ago, I was sitting right here and I was talking to Martha. And I was just sharing, I said, Martha, my heart would be that people would just worship Jesus. 
that it wouldn't be about the song, it wouldn't be about the melody or about the right moment, but that God, they would realize that he's in the room. And Martha starts doing this thing, and I'm like, oh, what's going on? She starts speaking in tongues, and I'm like, oh, crap. And I'm sitting, and she, 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 she said to me, you, you don't do this for them. What a reminder. You don't do this for them, Gio, and you have to know this about me. I never got in this for you. I love you so much. I love you. But my heart would... My heart for this church would be a place where Jesus would be exalted. He's looking for a place. He's looking. And there's so many churches with their programs and their ideas and their, and their strategies. And Jesus is just saying, would there just be one place where I could dwell? Where I could remain and it wouldn't be able, I'm not against strategies. Listen, we had to figure out how to get this many people and we had to do things. But what I'm saying is it can never be the one thing. You're not saved unto a prayer. You can repeat after me, but it's not going to save your soul. Because unless Jesus walks into the room and you see him, nothing changes. And if you, you, listen, the people closest to me know that I burn with this. I don't want anything else from you. I just want you to fall in love. That, 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 that the thought of giving something else your attention and leaving Jesus, oh, Ben Fitzgerald said, he was talking, he goes, when you go to the restaurant today, he said, if you have four people, pull up five chairs. And when the server asks you, what's that chair for? Say, it's for Jesus, because he's with me. And we lose that reality. We lose the reality that Jesus is always with us. And he's waiting for us. And so, can I read to you Psalms 27? Are you good? Oh, I, wonder, I want to start in the beginning because it's so beautiful. Turn there, Psalms 27. If you have your Bible, there's the air Bible. The sky Bible. Man, I just want to encourage you to, 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 to buy a Bible and fall in love with it. Psalms 27, one says this, The Lord is my light and my salvation. This is David talking. So why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress and, my, and he's protecting me from danger, so why should I tremble? When evil people come and to devour me and when my enemies and foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. And though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart, my heart, it will not be afraid. For even if I am attacked, I will remain confident. The question is how? How if everything in your life is falling apart, David? If you're surrounded by enemies and everything tells you you are about to be destroyed, how do you remain confident? Verse 4. This one thing I ask of the Lord, this one thing I seek most, it is to live in the house of the Lord, to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, and to gaze upon the Lord's beauty meditating in his temple. Another translation says, in his tabernacle. And so David, in the midst of all of his trouble, and listen, in a, in a room this size, there are all kinds of problems. Lift your hands if you're problem-free. Yeah. Everybody's got problems. But in the midst of all of this, David is giving us a key of what it looks like to be a person after his heart of saying, in the middle of all of this, this is the one thing. I'm not asking you for deliverance. I'm not asking you for strength. I'm asking you for this one thing. It is your face. 
Now, now I know this is hard because we're like, that's not tangible. I don't know what that looks like. Can you give me a 12-step program? No, I cannot. Because the way I love Jesus is not the way you're going to love Jesus. But here's what I know. We, we are goal-oriented people, but God is much more into rhythm and habits. Christianity is not about a goal. It's about habits and rhythms and learning to flow. That's why it says it is a river. It is the river of God that flows, and we are to flow with the river wherever it goes. You're like, what does this have anything to do with my life? Everything. Everything. Because we're all searching for happiness. And the reason you're discontent is not because of your circumstances. It is because you are not attached. And so you're planted in a church and you're like, this church sucks. There's no life here. I don't even feel God in worship anymore. I'm just going to sit. It has nothing to do with us. Because we are not we are not the vine. All we can possibly do is create an atmosphere for you to see him. And once you see him, for you to rightly respond. And to remind yourselves of the things that he has done. And for that to be a banner over you, man. Have you ever seen like the little newspapers that have blimps? Little thought things? Boop, boop. Sometimes I wonder, what, what, are, like, what is it saying? Or like you've seen a show, I think about this, this is weird, I know. But like in the shows, there's people walking down the road, and there's like background music, and the background music is according to their mood. I'm like, sometimes I'm thinking, I'm like, what the heck is my background music right now? Because my rhythm and habit sucks. I know it's like on the deep scale of the piano, bum, bum, bum. But yet God says things to us like, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. You're like, but I, I go to church every day. Every day, oh yeah, I read my Bible, Bible reading plan. You're not yoked to the right thing. And what God is, he's, listen, this is not hard. It's, it's, what my wife was saying was so good. It is a yielding and a surrender. I saw a woman on the stage. And I, Stephanie, you guys know her from Beth. She used to be at Bethel. And she was worshiping. And it was reckless abandonment. It was like, oh, that's why I fell in love with my wife. That's how she worshiped. That's how she worships. I see her on stage, I'm like, oh, she loves Jesus. That's how I genuinely felt. I'm like, I will, do, I will love Jesus with her forever. So I'm, I'm seeing her on stage, Stephanie, and on the night, this is like night three, Benny Hinn comes up. He said, bring your dad. And I did not know this, but her dad had stomach cancer. Like eating him, he looked sickly, did he not? And I thought to myself, how can someone, how can someone with a dad that is dying possibly worship Jesus in that way? She has fixed her eyes on this one thing. I have chosen to feed my sp on this one thing that you are good and you are great and your mercies, they endure forever. And if the story sucks, the story is not done. And so David's going through this story and he says this, my heart has heard you say, he's listening to God. The Bible says this, let those who have ears, what? Hear. Meaning just because you have ears doesn't mean you're hearing. And just because you have eyes doesn't mean you're seeing. So he says, my heart has heard you say, come.
come and talk. Another translation is come and be with me. Come and be, commune with me. And David responds, and it says this. This is, this is verse 8. My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds. Oh, my heart responds, Lord, I am coming. And my question for you today, sir, ma'am, what is your heart saying? It's so easy for us to live in this life, this Christianity that becomes stale. I, I don't know how to explain it. I, I, I've been saved since 2008. And what I know, what I know is that it's easy to become stale and cold and the routine of religion to come in and for us to go through motions. But I don't know about you, but I want real. I want real authentic. And for that to happen, I have to give him access to the innermost parts of who I am. And I have to say things like, like David said in Psalms 51, God, renew in me a clean heart, create a clean heart in me, and create in me a loyal spirit. That he would crash in. And that he would rip open all of the things, all of the distractions, so that I can abide. Abide in me and I will abide in you. Then he says, let your, my words abide in you. So abide in him and a, a create a place, a dwelling place for his words. And then he says this, remain in my love. John 15, remain in my love. I don't have the time to read it all. Remain in my love, meaning do not depart from this place where you feel me and I feel you. And then he says this, if you love me, you will obey me. Oh. If you love, well, I've, I've been guilty. I just have to, I've been guilty of saying, just love the Lord. And it's enough. But, but I realized if, if, if just saying loving Jesus was enough, he would never have told us to obey. He said, love me and obey me. That your love for him would cause, like my wife said, some of you are like, really Netflix? Really TV? Yes, I don't want anything to get away from seeing him. And that may not be your journey, but make no mistake about it, you have a journey. You, we yield and we yield and we yield. And so Friday, we were worshiping again. <laughs> we did two hours of worship at a church in Riverview. Lighthouse Freedom Center, amazing people. They had, all, they had 50 guys in this front section worshiping Jesus who were former drug addicts out of prison. This will be us. This will be us. And I was sitting and my son was there because I've been really convicted about putting my kid in a room and asking somebody to, to teach them how to love the Lord and not do it myself. So I brought him in and I'm going to let him figure out what it looks like to worship Jesus and see me. Because you know what? He said to me the other day, Daddy, I want to be just like you. And I realized that he sees every part of me except this. This is the only thing he doesn't see. So I'm sitting with him. And, and he, he comes on my lap, and, I, and my immediate thought was, oh, man, I just want to worship. I felt, this, I felt like he was distracting me. He sat on my lap, and I felt the Lord just shh. And he put his head on my chest, and he began to sway me. And I, I don't know how long. It was so long we were sitting there. He didn't say anything. But, but I was reminded of the moment the Lord came to me, and, and I saw him. 
I saw him and he told me to come sit on his lap. And you don't know this about me, but I had never been held by my dad. So it was a gift. And in this moment, God was giving me the gift of having my son have what I never had. And he was sitting on my lap and he was just there. And then it hit me. It hit me that one day, my little Judah, he's going to be too old for this. Like he's going to know, it's going to be too cool to sit on daddy's lap and to lay his head on his chest. 13, like I hate the world, you suck. All that. All that. And I realized I'm, I'm standing in a holy moment with my son. And then, and then it hit me. It hit me, me, not you, maybe not you, but me. That this is what happened between me and the Lord so many times. I become cold and stale and tired. And I take things like communion, which are the body and the blood of Jesus, and it's just another thing. And all he wants from me is to sit on his lap. I can't even look at you because I don't want to see your face. All he wants is for me to sit on his lap. And I'm so caught up with my agenda that I'm like, no, no, I'm too old for that. I got to go minister to people. No, 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 Jesus, men's home's got to come. And, and all it is is this. This is all it is. And that's the most real vulnerable thing I can say to you. Because if we were all honest, we're all distracted. There are things pressing for our attention. And I don't say this to shame or guilt anyone. I'm talking to you about my life. This is my life. And I'm telling you, if I'm distracted, it can hit anyone and I could do all the right things. This is not a sin thing. This is not about sin. This is about love. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you that if we were to commit ourselves to finding him again, fresh and anew, he satisfies. He satisfies. His words, you sitting in front of the TV, it may numb your pain, but it will not fix it. The bottle, it will not fix it. The smoking, you you name it, down the list of things that we have, that we run to, it will not fix it. And so some of us, we get to this point in our faith where we're like, well, God, I don't want it. Take it away. No. Love requires choice. And so that very thing you've been asking God for just to supernaturally taking it away, he's waiting for you to be in love enough to say, at your feet, because I want you more. This is love. God, it's so quiet. (laughs) And I say this to you because this is what God is birthing in this place. I could feel it. I could feel it. And you know, I have settled in my heart. If God has to grow us smaller, to grow us bigger, it's okay. It's okay because it's what I want. I can't can't be anything else than, than, than someone who loves him. 
And I don't want my son growing up thinking that success is crowds. I don't want it. I want him to know that success is sitting at Jesus' feet. Eric Gilmore talked about the ministry of the feet of Jesus. Everybody wants a platform. Everybody wants to be seen. They want social status. Whether you know it or not, you want to be known. And what God is looking for is the people who would become nothing. If he's everything, then you are nothing. And once you are nothing, then he lifts you up. In a world of people who are looking to take the highest place at the table, he's looking for those who would take the lowest place. With all of my heart, I believe that. With all of my heart. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to stop crying. And I, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to ha- give you an opportunity to come and to sit at the feet of Jesus. And I, I'm just asking you to ask the Lord, like, to, to make this afresh. To make this afresh for you. Like, this, this cannot be a routine thing. He will do it. He, he will do it. If you allow him into your heart, he will do it. Listen, I was, I was not, an, I'm not an emotional person. I'm not going to say that. I asked the Lord, but listen, I was the last person to be like this. But I realized that until he has all of my heart, he has none of it. So he will come in and he will purge. It's John 15, he will prune, he will purge, and he will remove, but you have to surrender. Surrender your pride, surrender your will, and the things you think you need for what he knows you need. Amen? So I'm going to turn around now, and you're going to wait for me to do nothing, but I'm going to do nothing but get on my face, and I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray with you because this isn't, this isn't about any man except the man, Jesus. So I invite you forward. They're going to turn on the lights so you don't have to be scared. We'll do the American church thing, and I'm going to get on my face, and I'm going to ask invite you forward to pray that the Lord would touch you.